So this morning we're going to be uh, in Matthew chapter 6, talking about um, worry. Chris kind of introduced this in his introduction to our worship set. Um, uh, we'll be in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 24. But before we do that, our president has called for a national day of prayer uh, with regard to the uh, coronavirus. Uh, it was it was actually scheduled on the calendar for, I believe, the month of May, but uh, he felt it was important that Christians gather together and appeal to the only one who really has control over this situation. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that this morning. We're going to pray together, and uh, I'd like you to turn. I, I know we're going to be in Matthew, but we'd, would you go to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24? Uh, 2 Samuel is all about the reign of King David. And there's a verse there that I, I want us to see. And while you're turning there, I'll just quote a verse that we're all familiar with out of 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That was a promise that God made to the nation of Israel, uh, the people who were called by his name that if uh, in the midst of their um, affliction, if they would simply humble themselves before the Lord, the Lord would respond. The verse I want you to look at is in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 25, where uh, it's in the context of um, uh, Israel has been disobedient to the Lord, and so the Lord has brought a plague upon the land of Israel that was killing thousands of people. And uh, uh, David's response is in this verse, 2 Samuel 24, 25. David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. And so the call for believers to come together and pray during a time of national crisis like this uh, has uh, its roots in the Bible itself. And so would you join me as we pray together and appeal to the Lord for uh, all of the fear that's associated with this uh, particular virus. And we'll be talking about it in message this morning, but uh, really at the end of the day, only God can heal. So let's pray that together, could we? And I want to include in our prayers those people who have actually died because of this for their families. And uh, I put a thing on Facebook the other day, just kind of uh, uh, not really thinking ahead. It was just the big title, We're All Gonna Die. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I thought that was pretty clever. And then I got to thinking about, you know, what if you had a loved one that had actually died from this flu? And that, that just really wasn't a real sensitive thing to do. So the message is true, we are all gonna die. Um, but it's probably not going to be from the coronavirus. So uh, let's pray together, could we? Father God, we come before you as believers in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we come to you as the one to whom we can address as our Heavenly Father. And Father, we know by both experience and by word that you love us deeply. You love us more deeply than we can ever imagine. 
The demonstration was the sacrifice of your very own perfect Son on that cross for sins that we had committed. And Father, during this time in which uh, there's just a lot of fear, Lord, I pray, Father, that the fear that's in people's hearts would move them to reach out to you as the only one to whom they can turn. Father, we do pray again today with uh, hundreds of thousands of believers around our nation that you would put a stop to the uh, virus that is creating so much panic among people. And Lord, we also know that uh, you have, uh, you, you use things like this to draw people to yourself. And it is our prayer, Father, that we would not be among those who live and walk in fear, but that instead we would walk in faith, faith in a loving Father who is ultimately our protector. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you, Father. Our very lives are in you. And we are pleased to place them there. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we'll be. I'll, I'll give a little bit of an introduction uh, right now. Um, due to the current concern over this coronavirus, I thought it might be wise to talk about some of the things that Jesus tells us about peace. And uh, there's a lot of worry and anxiety facing the world. Uh, there's a widespread panic among people. And even here in our community, there's a lot of uh, worry and anxiety. So we need to talk a little bit about that, okay? So let's talk worry. Uh, tell me what worry is. Time's up. Uh, <laughs> worry is a form of fear. It's a fear of the future and its uncertainty. Specifically, worry is a fear that something bad is going to happen to me in the future, even though it has not yet happened. If I anticipate something good happening in the future, I wouldn't have fear or worry. Worry anticipates the possibility or the potential of something bad coming to you in the future, and it creates a sense of fear and foreboding. Fear comes in many forms and degrees, and it depends on two things. How serious is the potential danger? And the second thing is, how likely is that potential danger to happen to me? So when we think about worry, those are two issues that really determine whether your worry is just going to be a simple concern or whether a worry, or then it becomes anxiety, where you're kind of on edge, and the anxiety becomes panic, and then sometimes panic becomes uh, a paralysis, where people can become so fearful, they're just paralyzed. They can't do anything. They can't function. They won't go out of the house. And so uh, this fear is on a kind of a continuum, where if it's not a real severe danger awaiting you, uh, you might have a little concern, but you're not paralyzed by it. But the two things that are um, uh, basically the foundation of fear is how serious is this potential danger 
in the future, and how likely will it happen? Should I be fear, fearful, let's say, of a lightning strike? Should I worry about being struck by lightning? Are you worried about being struck by... Does anybody lay awake at night thinking, oh, I hope I don't get struck by lightning? Now, getting struck by lightning is a pretty serious danger, is it not? What can it do? It can kill you. Why is it that we don't worry about being killed by lightning? The second reason, because it's not likely to happen to you. Those two things, how serious is it? And how likely is it that it's going to happen to me? Those two things are what determine how deep our fear or our worry is going to be. So, right now, we are currently in the normal annual cold and flu season. And um, the Center for Disease Control estimates that... Um, I think this was in 2018, there were 35.5 million instances of people who got the flu in that year. 34,000 of them died just on a normal every year annual flu season. Most of us, typically, we don't worry about whether we're going to get a cold or the flu. And why don't we worry about that in a normal year? Sean? Maybe because uh, we don't always get it or we're healthy enough for it. Yeah. Yeah, those two things. In the first case, if not every year, quite often, we've already gone through multiple bouts of flu and colds in our lifetime, and we know what they're like. And we've survived them all. At least, well, the fact that you're here tells me that you've survived them. And so, in a, in a normal, typical flu season, we don't worry about those things. Because, yes, the potential that it's going to happen is there. And it's pretty likely that I'll get a cold or a flu during the year. But the danger factor isn't such a big thing. You're uncomfortable. You get sick, you have a fever, maybe you get an uh, upset stomach. But, you know, after a while, you come out on the other side. The coronavirus is a flu that most people, if they get it, will live through it with relatively minor discomfort, like other flu strains. But the difference is, what's the difference, do you think, about this particular flu? What, what is it that's causing all the hysteria when other flus really haven't done that? No vaccination. Well, first of all, yeah, there's no vaccination to prevent it. There's no cure to stop it. And it's estimated that this particular strain is 10 times more lethal than the, the typical flu. And that's exacerbated by the panic that goes on in the hysteria. Everybody that has a cold now wants to go in and get tested and all of those kinds of things. But... Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's especially dangerous. It's especially dangerous if your immune system's compromised, if you've had respiratory diseases. 
and they're saying now it's especially dangerous for older people, uh, people over 60. <laughs> when was that? When did that become old? I, I, I don't understand that. It's these college kids, you know, these college graduates. Now, when this particular virus was limited to China in the early stages of the pandemic, we weren't too worried about it, were we? But when it began to appear in our country, and then in our state, and then in our county, um, even though currently there haven't been any positive infections yet in Lane County, uh, but, you know, we're trying to prevent that. But as it gets closer, then our worry increases each step of the way, and it can be scary because worry arises because we don't know what the future holds, and so we worry, will I contract the flu? Will it be this particular strain? Will I survive it? And then there's things associated with the virus that we worry about, like where in the world can I find a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> you know? And uh, neighbors. <laughs> so we worry about that too. The Lord wants us to live not in fear, but in peace. And so in Matthew chapter 6, if we could turn there, this is not to minimize the need to be safe and to take steps to protect yourself and your family, but our lives can be lived in peace even amidst the threat that's around us. And while you turn to Matthew 6, I'm going to read two statements that Jesus made about peace. John 16:33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus Christ is the one who has promised peace to us. Uh, he's promised tribulation, but he's promised that we can have peace in the midst of it. And so, I mean, honestly, this last one, don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Uh, the fact that you're here this morning is indicative of the fact that you're not living in fear. Uh, we're here, we're together, the Lord is our protector, and uh, that's the perspective and the balance that we need to keep. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Who of you, by being worried, could add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not more, much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? 
For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now there's a lot in here that uh, uh, speaks to the area of worry, but I, I want you to notice three times. Well, in uh, find all the verses where the word worry is, is there. Worry or, I'm not sure, anxiety maybe, depending on your Bible translation. How many do you find from uh, Matthew 6.25 to 6.34? Count faster. Five. Five times in this section it uses the word worry. Three times in this section it, it issues the prohibition, do not worry. This is the main passage in the Gospels about, about worry. But I want you to notice the initial phrase in 625. For this reason. Do you see it there? For this reason, I say to you. What does for this reason indicate as it introduces this passage? Something that's before connects to what's said in this paragraph here. So if you just look up at the preceding verse in 624, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Or the old King James uses the word mammon, which is it's just a, an Aramaic term for possessions or wealth. And the connection between what Jesus says about not worrying is found in that last statement, you can't serve God and wealth. Two masters are spoken of, God and wealth. And Jesus is saying that you can look to God for your security, or you can look to your wealth. Now, if you have enough wealth, you can provide food and drink and clothing. However, even with an abundance of wealth, you can't, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be delivered from trouble. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you still can't buy a roll of toilet paper at Costco. Does, Phil Knight could walk in there and said, you know, I need to get some of this, and it's not there. Wealth is not a master that is sufficient to deliver you from hardship. Your wealth will not protect you from cancer or heart disease or divorce or death. And Billy Ruth shared this morning in our prayer time a, a real important factor about with all of this panic here. She said something along the line of such a small bug has brought this the whole world to its knees. Isn't that interesting? People are just panicked. First of all, because they have nowhere to turn. That can really give them deliverance. And it's just one of those things that God brings into the life of people 
that is intended to provoke fear in them and um, for the purpose of getting them to turn to the only one who can give them peace. Jesus says we need not fear or worry if we're looking to our Heavenly Father for our needs. When fear begins to overtake us or the uncertainty of the future frightens us, what does Jesus say to do? Look around. Look, okay? Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. If you're worried about food, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The birds of the air. And do you get that key implication with that question or with that statement, yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not worth much more than they? What's the point he's making by that? Do you get the point? You are of worth, you are worth of much more value than these birds that your heavenly Father feeds. Are you not worth much more than they? Yes, you are. And so the point that he's making here, if God feeds those of lesser value among his creation, how much more can we trust him to feed and care for us? And the other thing here about this is, notice how God is addressed here. He's our Heavenly Father. He's not called the Heavenly Father of the birds. He's our Heavenly Father. And just that title, all by itself, should be sufficient to remove the worry and the fear that often overtakes us. So Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. The second thing he says to look at is in verse 28. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You're worried about what you're going to wear? Look at the lilies of the field. Even Solomon, in all of his glory, did not have apparel as beautiful as the flowers of the field that God has made. Now, why is Solomon, do you think, the example here in this passage? What's that? Solomon was the wealthiest king in all of the Old Testament. And the point Jesus makes is, similar to looking at the birds, look at the birds, now look at the flowers. Look at the beauty of the flowers, the flowers of the field. The flowers of the field that are alive for just a short time, and then we throw them on the burn pile. Solomon, with all of his resources and all of his wealth, still was unable to clothe himself, even in his glory. Yet his glory was not greater than those of the flowers that God has created. Isn't that true, Patricia? 
All you ladies that are in the, in the garden uh, club now that started, uh, I mean, you can't duplicate what God has created. Note in both of these examples something else I want you to see. It's, an, it's another, just a short f- phrase. Contains two words. It's used in verse... Um, In verse 26, are you not worth much more than they? And it's used in 30. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Much more. Much more. That's, a, uh, that's kind of a comparative phrase. If God cares for the birds, and yet you're his child, is he not going to care much more for you? If God gives the flowers of the field, he clothes them in beauty, why do we need to worry about that? Will he not much more? so clothe you. And so that, that little uh, comparative there is, is really key. The other thing, as I said a moment ago, this is our Heavenly Father to whom we are, in whom we are placing our trust. This isn't just the God of all creation who can do all things and is full of might and power. This is your Heavenly Father. So our perception in our relationship with God grows much deeper if we see him in terms of um, uh, being his children. The very first song that Chris led us in is, I am who you say I am. And who does God say that we are? We are sons of the living God. We are children of the living God. The rest of mankind cannot truly make that statement. Only those who through their faith in Jesus Christ have been brought into the family of God can look to God in heaven from the relationship of he's our heavenly father. Now think about a perfect heavenly father and you're a child that's in need and you know your father cares for you. Can he be trusted to take care of you even though hardship comes? But wait, there's more. It's in verse 27. I skipped over this verse because this isn't one of the look at verses. Verse 27, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? What does that tell us about worry? Purposeless. Is that what you said, Joe? Worry cannot change the future. All right, let's just get that clear right, right now. What you worry about, your worry has no effect on that. It doesn't change it. Nothing changes the potential danger because I worried about it. But worry can change the present. Can it not? 
but not for the better. Worry while not affecting the future can affect your present. It can produce fear, ulcers, nightmares, aging, <laughs> and a host of other health and emotional issues. Instead of worry, the Lord wants us to have peace. Amen? Can you have peace as this virus gets closer and closer and closer? Jesus says you can and we must. But let's think about worry. It doesn't change what you're worried about. The only one that can change that is the one who's in control. If I was in control of my future, I would always change it so that it would be things that you know, made me happy. But we're not in control of our future. Only God is. Another help that Jesus introduces here is in verse 31. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For, your, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your, and here it is. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In those three verses, 31, 32, and 33, that little phrase, all these things. And in this case, it's food, it's clothing. Um, and uh, uh, the, the way to get those things is to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. But the key in this section, this passage here, is simply that statement. Because here's where our faith is placed. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need those things. God knows what our needs are. They might be hidden in the, in the, in the depths of your heart, and other people don't really know how needy you really are, but God knows. Now, the fact that God knows doesn't mean necessarily that he cares about it, but we know from other parts of the Scripture that he does care about it. And that's the implication here. God, your heavenly Father, knows your needs. And all these things that I worry about, God will provide for me. He wants me to first. Here's the priority. The priority is, how am I going to get all these things? The priority is, seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and he will add all of these things to you. So, a lot of times as Christians, we have this danger out there in the future that we're worrying about, and we know God can take us through it, but our worry is, what if he doesn't? And if he doesn't, that means that he has a purpose in it. But we'll never go through whatever God takes us through, we'll never go through that by ourselves, even though maybe it feels like that at times. God knows what our needs are, however deep they are. And in this section, just one more point, it's in verse 30. The key to having peace in the midst of the storm is faith. Worry is an indication of a lack of faith. The deeper the worry, the less faith you have. Um, 
so your worry might be just concern. You've got pretty great faith there. You're just kind of, a, it's just a concern right now. Uh, or maybe it's anxiety and your faith is wavering a little bit. Or maybe it's um, panic and then there's not much faith there. And then if you're paralyzed by fear, man, you really need some faith. But faith is the key. O ye of little faith. And, and what is faith? Faith is believing what God has said that he would do. And, but there's more. It's in verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What in the world does that mean? It's literally, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we can say this. Rather than worry about what has not yet happened, Jesus has to focus on the needs and the troubles of today. God says not to worry about tomorrow. Today has enough challenges to keep your attention. And when I worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, it distracts me from what God is doing today. So if you're all worried up about some potential danger in the future, it's really a distraction and it takes your mind off what God is doing for you today. Matthew 6.34 is a call to a daily faith, to live out our faith in our life one day at a time. Our God is an eternal God, but it says He daily bears our burdens. Let me read some verses for you out of different portions. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the God who daily bears our burdens. Lamentations 3.22. His mercies are new every morning. Isaiah 33.2. Lord, be gracious to us. We've waited to you. Be our strength every morning. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being made new day by day. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus told his disciples, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. And follow me. Every day. The Lord is blessing us. The Lord is protecting us. And we don't want to be distracted from that. By something that may or may not happen tomorrow. So. Let me just conclude with just a couple of comments here. About how can I have peace. In the midst of a world that's causing so much anxiety and worry. First of all, as believers, we need to remember about how greatly God's love is for us in Christ. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.35, what shall ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? 
Shall tribulation, or persecution, or peril, or nakedness, or the sword? 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on Him, because He cares for you. Maybe think about this. Christians who worry believe God can redeem them from sin, break the shackles of Satan, take them from hell to heaven, put them into His kingdom, give them eternal life but we don't think he can get us through the next couple days. That we can believe God for the greater gift and then stumble and not believe him for the lesser one. Isn't that true often? Out of all of the things that God has done for us by his great power and mercy, and then we worry about the lesser things. And so Jesus says, look at the lesser things and see how God cares for them, but then apply it to yourself as one who is of greater value. If you need hope, Psalm 39, 7, Now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. You need strength, Philippians 4, 13, God says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We need encouragement. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. Worrying about tomorrow comes for our, from our uncertainty of the future. It comes from things over which we have no control. But the future is never uncertain to the Lord. He knows it all. He knows what the future holds because the future is His, it's not ours. Our Heavenly Father is our protector. He cares for us. He cares for you. If you don't believe it, you will not find peace. But if you do, God says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, we're all familiar with that verse. You know what the next verse says? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guard our hearts and minds from what? Fear. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. That's where your peace comes from. Amen? Amen. Let's uh, pray together and let's pray that in the midst of all of the threat around us that we be a people who live in peace and not in fear. Yes, and uh, just a reminder for our tithes and offerings, uh, there's an offering can in the back, and outdoor, outside the door there, there's an offering box. We're just going to have you drop your, your gifts in there, okay? Uh, any other questions or announcements? The last scripture? Uh, Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 7. All right. Father, we, um, Lord, we're, we're kind of embarrassed. We're often kind of embarrassed because we live and react just like the world does, as if we had no Heavenly Father, no one to care for us, no one who actually sacrificed His own Son for our sake. 
Lord, would you remind us of those things that we know and that we hold dear, but Lord, that need to be applied when there's a fear going around. Father, our trust is in you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who walks through these trials with us every day. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, the one who's called the Comforter. Lord, thank you so much for that comfort. Father, Heavenly Father, you are a great loving God. We so love you. Would you build our faith that we can show the world around us that God is real, Christ is alive, and his Spirit will bring peace. Let that be in Jesus' name.